it's a hard life. I've only got one lesson today, which I need to be getting to. Uh, wait. I was thinking of dragging your dad out tonight, if it's all right with you. Why wouldn't it be? Uh, because you'll be on your own. Hey, you could invite some of your little friends round. Little friends? Yeah, you, Asher, Summer, like a cute little Bananarama tribute act. I don't even know what that is. Oh, never mind. <sighs> oh, bye. Yeah. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. To episode 198 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish Street Catch-Up podcast that might just have a nice little bridge to sell to Ed and Aggie if the price is right. I'm Gavin. And I am St. Patrick. And I am also Zelensky. Chasing snakes out of Ukraine. You didn't hear about this? No. Bono. Oh God. Wrote an awful... No, no, sen- no good sentences <laughs> start with the word Bono. Bono wrote this awful poem, which is which is composed of three limericks stitched together, and then he sent it to Nancy Pelosi, and then Nancy right. and then Nancy Pelosi read it out loud on St. Patrick's Day and <laughs> to, to people to people oh not to people to people that's the worst thing she could have done with it yeah and it was so bad and it ends with St. Patrick is now Zelensky. What does that even mean? I, you'll have to ask Bono. <laughs> but it's like... The crin- there once was a twat called Bono. <laughs> it's the cringiest thing Pelosi has done since she did that kneeling wearing a kente cloth. Remember that? No. Or when she asked the... Um, or she invited the, the cast of Hamilton um, to Congress to sing a song from Hamilton on the anniversary of the January 6th insurrections. Right. That could have been worse. It could have been so much better, because why are we commemorating the January 6th insurrection? Well, yeah, but it could have been Andrew Jackson's birthday or something. (laughs) You know, it could have been worse. True. (laughs) Still. I know how much you love Bono, so I'm a little surprised that you haven't heard about this yet. Uh, Well, I have the Bono Google alerts. (laughs) switched off so because i was just getting far too much great content from it bono nancy pelosi why is bono why is nancy pelosi why are they both so cringy Mm. how are you otherwise (laughs) i'm all right i'm a little sad oh how come because uh there was an estate sale yesterday and they had they had a skeleton, and I really wanted to buy the skeleton, but by the time I got down there... Skellington. Yeah, by the time I got down there, he'd already sold. So, I, I'm still skeletonless. Oh, that's why you were in Jackson then. <laughs> yes. I did buy some other creepy things, but... Oh, good. Why? Because I like creepy things. But they're, they're like a, a turn-of-the-century, a turn-of-the-last-century book on gynecology, which you know is just going to give me nightmares. Oof. <laughs> and a book on eugenics, which is going to give me even more nightmares from the same time period. Uh, one, uh, 
one briefly <laughs> imagines what the contents of both are going to be. I think butter's probably going to get mentioned <laughs> more than more than once. No. Fantastic. <laughs> It'll be better than any horror movie we could watch this weekend. Well, we have a choice. We do. I quite want to go and see X. And I quite want to go see Uma. We can Rochambeau for it later. Yes. <laughs> Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that lubricated Corey News. Irish Corey News. Bono Corey News. Nope. Because <laughs> I've, I've had my fill of Bonerific. people coming up to me and saying, oh, have you since Patrick's Day, Gavin? People don't do that to you, do they? Mm-hmm. Seriously? Were you out last night, Gavin? Nope. I do not drink. And oh. you are also not Irish. And I'm not Irish as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. The kids both wore green. I think that's about as much St. Patrick's Day as we did this year. Yes. Yeah, we didn't said, even have corned beef and cabbage. Nope. Somebody said to me, oh, you're not wearing green. And I'm, again, I'm, I'm Not Scottish. Irish. I'm wearing blue though. Does that help? Yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know why that. I don't know why this is a thing. I really don't. At least we don't live in Chicago, where they dye the river green. Yeah, great stuff. It could be worse. I, I'm amazed they can actually see it. The things that muddy and dark anyway. Whatever river that is, the Chicago River or the Illinois River? I don't know. It's a river. Well, the dye that they use is a special dye that they use to to locate stuff in the river anyway. So anyway, we're a, we're a good anyway, three minutes into Corey News. Yeah, so. and we haven't mentioned Corey once. Right. <laughs> um, Helen Flanagan may not currently be on Corey, but like the Baileys this week, she was celebrating a one-year-old's birth. Helen's son, Charlie, celebrated his first birthday with a Gruffalo-themed party. And now I want a Gruffalo-themed birthday party. I love the Gruffalo. Oh, dear. Kind of just makes me miss John Hurt more, though. Makes me miss my Stubsy. My big bear. Yes. His son loved the Gruffalo. He watched it like three or four times times. a night. (laughs) I'd never seen it. And then I went to Stubsy's house and I'd like saw it five times. Yeah. And one night, yeah. and then I left, never went back. <laughs> Happy birthday to Ellie Leach. The Faye actor celebrated her 21st birthday this week with happy friends birthday. and co-workers. Happy, happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. 21, 21, did you say? 21, which would be a milestone here. Over there, not so much. No, it's, that's a big deal, your 21st. Really? Because mm-hmm. you can Keys already drink. Yeah, it's a... It harkens back to olden times, I think. No. Keys to the door. You get the keys to the door on your 21st. You don't actually get the keys to the door. You've probably... Already have the keys to the door. Right. One would hope. Yeah, it's a symbolic keys to the door. Yeah, Ah. your 21st is a big deal. Ah. Well, happy birthday. Happy, happy, happy Happy birthday birthday to her. And finally... Sally Ann Matthews will be swapping the rovers for the stage from March 16th to the 26th. She'll be in the one-woman show Tangled, part of a set of vignettes produced by Her Productions, a group founded by Hannah Gilmore, who Corey fans will remember as the devious Katie pretender in 2018, who helped Jim McDonald swindle money out of Liz. Remember Liz? God, I remember Liz. I remember Katie as well. Yes. And I don't remember her name being Katie, though. 
<laughs> well, that was the name of the dead baby. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah. And also, Tangled is written by a Coronation Street um, writer. So it's like Coronation Street all the way down. Oh. So, but good luck to Sally Ann Matthews. She's had quite the year this year because she's also done that jogging thing. Oh, yeah. So she's just all over the Twitter with with that and everything. She seems to uh, be having a very good year, as she deserves. Good stuff. Very good stuff. And that's Corey News. That is Corey News. On to our mailbag. Carrie wrote in to say, I'm a Canadian who just watched the episode where David and Shona cover up Max dropping the GHB to protect him. I listened to Helen rant about this a few weeks ago, but now I really appreciate it. I'm infuriated about the way the show chose to handle this so far. Why would Shona protect Max? Her Clayton was not a good reference for her parenting. I am so pissed off at Corey minimising date rape drug effects on Amy. Yeah, and it continues. It does continue. I don't think we're ever going to get back to that. And it continues. It's continued in, in the weeks following that. Fairly badly. Yes. And it, was, it wasn't it was great again this week. No. No, because it was completely ignored this week. Well. Except for one reference uh, to it. It wasn't really. And Tracy mentions it once this week, and that's it. Nobody else mentions anything. But, I don't know, I'm, I'm pairing it with something else that I guess we will talk about. Later. Later. And now, we'll podcast for coffee. Bless me. That was on beat. Mm-hmm. Well done. Thank oh, we you. missed the thing. Never mind. No. Thanks to Anonymous for buying us our coffee this week. This, along with all our other donations for the month of March, will be donated to Sunflower of Peace. Sunflower of Peace is a charity that provides medical and humanitarian aid that will be used by paramedics and doctors in the areas that are affected by the violence currently ongoing in Ukraine. This means first aid backpacks, medicine medical instruments and other means of survival that are saving hundreds of lives. Find out more at sunflowerofpeace.com. So if you want to buy us a coffee for next week, we will greatly receive it and then donate it to Sunflower of Peace. We will match up to 200 bucks and then I still haven't got got to the bottom of this, but I believe my work will further match it. So it's a way to potentially quadruple your donation. Uh, yeah, so if you want to do that, you can go to kofi.com, that's ko-fi.com, slash the talk of the street. Yeah, we've off to a, a fairly flying start with that. I'm quite pleased with Excellent. the response so far. Makes you feel kind of somewhat useful. Yes. As opposed to utterly useless. Yes. And now, YouTube's. My favourite bit. It is your favourite but Your wee face lights up. <laughs> This is the section where we talk about what's new on our YouTube channel. There's the regular stuff, there's last week's podcast, and we have the three top clips from last week's episode. What's new is another episode in the Corey Life Stories series, Half Woman, Half Anorak, Half Debris from a Factory Roof. It's Rana Habib. And also, I started doing this last night, just enough him. I thought, I wonder how much I could condense 44 minutes of Coronation Street down to without losing anything of the narrative thread and the answer is three minutes and 32 seconds jinkies so you can get it all down to under four minutes so i'm thinking about starting a new series of last night's cory in under four minutes if i can figure out a way of doing it quickly 
Because that took me quite a bit of time last night. I, I'd imagine. That's why the bathroom is still not clean. <laughs> well, it's clean if you close your eyes. <laughs> so anyway, if any of that tickles your fancy, head over to youtube.com slash the Talk the Street podcast, smash that subscribe button and crush to death the notification bell. To death. And now this. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Bridesmaidzilla. Who got married? Oh, uh, Sally. This is about Sally. Anymore? Uh, Sally for Abby's wedding. That's right. And I actually mean that's right. Yeah. This was Abby complaining about Sally taking over the wedding planning. And Sally was doing a wee spin in her in her boots mm. that I wanted to make moment of the week but you had absolutely none of it no I was Gavin and you I were unsure they're all that regretting that now <laughs> that wedding yeah it never happened well, right it didn't but happen then, then it happened later yeah and I bet they all regret that now yeah Kev got all dressed up I was Gavin and you were unsure that Sally was wearing Doc Martens as described in my intro we were off to get our vaccines which was something of an event I hilariously read out Emmerdale notes at the start because Emmerdale was so much better than Corey last week, this year, last week, also last week. A lack of notepaper meant three tries at Corey News. <laughs> <sighs> How was there a lack of notepaper? When have I ever been had a lack of notepaper? You're now experiencing my surprise <laughs> at the situation last <laughs> last year as well. Canadian Helen hoped that Sean caught COVID. <laughs> Leanne has had a wash and is ready to face the world with her hair, get her old job and sort out this Harvey character once and for all Abby is already regretting asking Sally to be her celebrant while Debbie tries her best to get the street back on side by throwing a dress trying on party at the bistro Ed is the last person in the country to know Ronnie's secret which forces Ronnie to reveal that he has another secret no one knew about while a traumatic trip to the supermarket puts Grace into early labour Back when we still liked Grace. Yeah. Brian has the audacity to expect number one to pay for its paper delivery, which forces Cathy to clash with Tracy and set up an account on Weddy Gazette Online. That was our Lemon Drops persona, remember? Mm. Tyrone and Alina get closer and closer over beverages and blown cylinder head gaskets, while Fizz is planning a Grecian surprise for Tyrone, but probably not like that. Gemma drools in her sleep. Kirk is an Abbey standing. Seb sniffs wine. And fresh goes, security guards are racist. Our moment of the week was the Baileys coming together for Michael, and our boring moment of the week was Sam and sewing machines. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Interesting. The fact that the Baileys come together for Michael again this year. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It is Glory's birthday. It is. Yeah, that was uh, Grace getting locked in the yeah. the security guard's Office. little room. Yeah. Oh, all the debris that fell out from that storyline. Or was it never mentioned again? Yeah. Yeah. Instead, they, they made Grace like the worst person in the world. They did. But we'll get to that. We will. Not immediately, though. No. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Our first storyline this morning is, what's it all about Alfie? On Monday, 
Toy is on the hunt for wedding venues after speaking to her ex-client. It's made Toya appreciate how lucky she is. Me too, says Imran. Toya can't wait to marry him. Me too, says Imran. Hashtag. Chloe, the social worker, is rouncing Abby, who's still at Kev's, to tell her the hearing for Alfie's custody is in two weeks. Abby says that she's been to a meeting, and while it was really difficult and she hated it, she stayed. She wants her baby, and Chloe promises to work with her to make that happen. Then Toya bumps into Abby, who tells her about having two weeks to get her act together for the social. Toya offers to help, but Abby thinks that she's done enough and insists she can take care of it herself. And this interaction is seen by Imran as he drives by. Mm -hmm. There's lots of... There's lots of background Imran this week. <laughs> I think there's more background Imran than than typical. Yes. An increase in background Imran <laughs> this week, certainly. Not that we're complaining about that. No, no, of course not. Tori goes to see Imran and asks if he knows any good family lawyers for her ex-client. And she goes on to explain Abby's situation without mentioning Abby's name. And all of this suddenly starts to dawn on Imran, especially yes. the premature baby bit. He starts to count his fingers. <laughs> Right. He challenges her to admit it was Abby, but for some reason she denies it and leaves. It's refreshing to have one smart person on the street. It's useful. Who can figure these things out on their own. It's very useful. Yes. Imran calls Abby and leaves a message where he does his best to sound light and casual. Hey girl, give me a holler when you get a sec. No biggie and stuff. Yeah. Or words to that effect. Yes. And he goes round to see Abby, but she's not home, so he leaves another message where he does an even worse job at sounding casual and light. So Imran eventually says fuck it and goes to the hospital to confront Abby. He tells her that he knows that she's just had a baby and he wants to know if it's his. And she admits it. She thought she wasn't pregnant because she thought she'd had a period and she didn't know that she was still pregnant until Alfie fell out of her. How could you not know when you've had kids before? Imran and the audience demands. Seb's dead. <laughs> Seb's dead, shouts Abby, so Imran shuts up. Abby promises that she doesn't want anything from him and she won't tell Toya that Alfie's his. But Imran wants to see his son. I like how people are constantly asking Abby this all the way through this week and not once does she give. Because, I mean... <laughs> not once does she give a plausible explanation. No. <laughs> because, you know, she says, well, I, I started having... She has a f strange phrase for saying that she was on her period. She she got on or something? Yeah, she came on. Came on, that's it. Yeah. Never heard that before. Yeah, and I mean, for that for that to be a plausible reason why she didn't think she was pregnant, she, she would have had to have come on at the same time every month for six months. Well, still being, or at least five months, because the first month she's, this is why she thought she was yeah, pregnant, that, because she didn't have her, period. And then she started to have her period. Why wouldn't you still at least do a pregnancy test or something? Or at least go to the doctor, especially since Dr. Gaddis has a beautiful new haircut, which we get to see this week. I'm not sure I like Gaddis's new haircut. Really? I think it's like Steve's new haircut. <laughs> It's nothing like Steve's new haircut. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Dr. Gaddis. Not yet. Yeah. this this <laughs> The fact that the show is making a point of pointing it out. Like, how could you not know? Mm -hmm. Which is what kids. the audience has said. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she keeps giving answers that just don't make sense. Hi, yeah, yeah. And she was, and somebody else pointed out, she was not showing. 
at six months, you'd be showing a wee bit, especially a woman of her size. You know, a woman of my size, maybe not, but a woman of her size, definitely. Mm. Oh, well. <clears throat> oh, well. So Imran goes to see Alfie, blaming all the machinery on Abby being a hopeless junkie, but Abby insists it's because of his bowels. Alfie's, not Imran's. And and the fact that he's premature. All, all preemies would be in the incubator like that. And then Toya comes in, sees the two of them, seems to apologise and quietly leaves when the nurse barks, Two air bed! <laughs> she needs to know, says Imran. Toya, not the nurse. Outside, Abby claims that she'd called Imran for advice about the abandonment thing. Right uh, before Imran comes clean. Mm-hmm. Imran plays along and leaves, promising to catch up with Toya later leaving Toya to think that Imran is pissed off at the situation and her. Hmm. So at home, it's Toya who apologises before Imran can say anything. Ugh. She thinks that he's super kind for help, Abby, but worries that Abby is too fucked up and Alfie will end up in the care system no matter what happens. This is Toya with her guard down. Yeah. Letting her true feelings come out. because apparently Because everything that she's been saying to Abby so far has kind of been the opposite of this. Absolutely. At the lawyer office, Imran is burning the midnight oil when Adam comes in complaining that Imran cheats and gets forgiven. Adam does nothing and he gets chucked out. He worries about how Harry's taking this. It's not easy being little and this seems to give Imran some food for thought. Yes. So Good goes, job, Adam. So he goes you back. were useful for one thing this week. Imran goes back to the hospital and hears Abby chatting to Alfie about the twins, Matt and Luke, and how Alfie <laughs> has saved her life. Luke and Leia, get it right. Imran says, no, I'm talking about Bross. <laughs> Imran says, everyone's favourite twins. Yeah, but one of these is a girl. Yeah, so that's further amusing, one hopes. If you say so. Imran says that he can't tell Toy about this yet, but he promises to do whatever he can to help Abby get custody. Custody? Custody. <clears throat> Just as a nurse announces that Alfie will be getting an operation as soon as possible. So on Wednesday, early doors and Debbie clumps round to see Abby, who's still not in the mood to be shouted at. But Debbie isn't there to shout. She's there to show Abby the front page of the Weather Gazette. Local women who abandoned baby named, cried the newspaper. And sure Which enough, is they know it's Abby. Surely illegal. Well, with, with privacy laws I and stuff. I thought about GDPR and stuff, and maybe it's not exactly that. But yeah, and if you freeze the article in the paper, uh-huh. which of course I did, course he did it says that they managed to track her down because of dna but that isn't what happened at all uh, no but if that was what happened then yeah this is very much an invasion of of privacy of pr- privacy right yeah and the hepa law well the hepa laws over here would definitely shut a story like this down but mm. still also <laughs> what is wrong with the weather gazette that they keep Posting these things shaming women. First, it's Sally. Oh yeah, peeing on the front page, and now it's Abby named as horrid mother who abandoned child. It's and it's not even. Alfie was in the hospital, being looked after by nurses and stuff. It's not like it's been treated as abandonment when really what happened was Abby went home. Right. <laughs> And then she came back. <laughs> right. No. She didn't leave this baby alone in an apartment. She's not Grace. Right, but her intention was not to go back. But even even that, you know, I don't know about And the, she did give a fake name. But even that, I don't know how it works in the United Kingdom. But over here, if if you have a baby and you don't 
and you don't want it, you can leave it at the hospital or at the fire station. There's like safe harbor laws, right. you know, and it's it's particularly meant for like young mothers, like teenagers and mm-hmm. stuff so that they're not abandoning babies in, in toilets and stuff or dumpsters, which horrifyingly happens. Yeah. But but still, there's there there tends to be leeway for troubled mothers. It's it's the shaming she's getting for this is just kind of blows my mind a little. I was kind of surprised to see it on the front page anyway, because where the Gazette is typically about council funds for, I don't know, ashtray in local park or something like that, right? They don't tend to do world news at all. Or actual news. Right. It's all council news. So the the very time they had something to report on, this is the thing that they're going to report on. And this is their second headline about it, because the first one was about the abandoned baby. Right. And then... This and is even a that, article. and even that was kind of borderline. Is this really something they should be reporting on? Right. If you're going to have a paper in the in the story, which I think they should have, right? Put in stories about the shit that's happening, or the fact that council elections are coming up. Why? Why are? Why are Maria and that knobhead that she's running against on mm. the front page? Anyway. Anyway. Debbie demands to know if Kev knows, so Abby runs out of the house with Debbie in pursuit until Imran appears and says lots of legal sounding words to confuse Debbie until she retreats. Imran gives Abby a ride to the hospital where Alfie will be getting his operation later today. That was nice. Toya runs into Leanne and Nina rolls. Leanne has seen the paper but is surprised when Toya isn't surprised and Toya explains that she already knew, which was implied by her lack of surprise and the last thing she needs is people talking. Good luck with that, says Leanne, waving the paper in Toya's face. At the hospital, Imran tells Abby that he wants to be there for her and his son, and she warns him against using language like that unless he wants his life ruined too, and she sends him home, promising to call him when she has news. Imran is gone when they wheel Alfie down to the operating theatre. See you in a bit. Love you, says Abby. I need bother hen, says Alfie. I'll be back in a jiffy. <laughs> there is nothing in that incubator. <laughs> Abby's... Yeah. They don't even have a doll in there. No, the angles have kind of been very careful to not right. show anything. Yeah, or so it seems. It was a bit, it was a bit uh, horrid when they first wheeled him out, and they had that blue blanket covering the incubator. Looked a wee bit like a wee little coffin, like what you do to a bird at night. <laughs> you put a little, little blanket over the cage. Remember when your mum babysat a budgie? The, the, the smoking budgie. <laughs> This budgie lived in a house where the woman like chain smoked and so the budgie stank of cigarette smoke. Poor, Poor wee thing. thing. Coughed as well. <clears throat> He's always wait- asking for a light. <laughs> Setting dawn. <laughs> Abby's waiting on news about the operation when a nurse comes in to tell her that she has a visitor. Setting dawn means I'll be the I want the last half of your cigarette. That's what you would say. So if when you're Young and you can't afford cigarettes, your friend has one. So you claim second on that. So when your friend is about to throw it away, rather than throwing it away, he gives it to you and you smoke the last bit out of it. Don't think you need to explain that. Just in case. But just in case. You know, it's all about imparting information. Right. Sometimes it's useful, like when you explained lollipop ladies to me. That was useful. It was. You get lollipop men as well. Well, 
We had one. Our 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 crossing guard yeah. here. Jack Duckworth is currently one in classic. When, when we could afford one, was a dude. There's there's nobody now. They no. tried to get like a volunteer, and that just was not happening. No. Nobody's getting up at six a.m. in the cold and the dark. Nope. Abby goes to see her visitor and blow me down. It's Kev. Abby loses her shit, and so Kev hugs her. And the two of them have a chat. Abby swears that she didn't know she was pregnant, but apparently it can it can happen. So stop writing in. Kev asks if it's Tez's, and so because he's obsessed with Tez, and so right, and Abby, lies. Abby told him that mm-hmm. Tez was the one he slept with, and says it is, but she wants nothing more to do with him, and he's in jail. Kev decides that he has to explain all this to Jack and tell him what's going on, given it's all over the papers. Abby promises to move out as soon as she can, but Kev tells her that she needs a place to stay if she's fighting for custody. Custody? Why do I have a trouble? I don't know. So she can stay at his. We also learn that Alfie is going to be okay. The operation was a complete success. Well, that's good. Back on the street, Tora tells them around the good news that Alfie is going to be okay and the operation was a complete success. success. And Kev's back and he looks as good as he did on his wedding day. <laughs> and this makes Imran very happy. About the Alfie thing, not about Kev. No. In the bistro, Kev explains to Jack and Debbie that Alfie isn't his, but Abby will be staying with them until the custody thing is sorted we- out. And it's weird that he doesn't say that right away. First, you know, first he lets he lets Jack talk about how happy he is to have a wee brother. Right. And he says, well, about that. Yeah. It's like, maybe, maybe Kill start with that. <laughs> Kill your jets, Jack. So Jack realises that this means that Abby got her hole off someone else. So he hates Abby now. And yes. he never wants to see her again. Hmm. And he runs off. This is just... Debbie promises to have a word, offering to put Jack up in the meantime, which seems to be pandering to the child, but whatever. Abby comes home and speaks with Kev, who explains that Jack now hates her. Kev can't pretend that he's not hurt by this. But he still cares for Abby, and Abby misinterprets this as as a desire to get back together. So when Kev recoils from her, she realises that this won't work, and she grabs her stuff because she hasn't packed a bag in a couple of weeks, and she leaves. Toya, Elsie, and Imran are walking home when they bump into Abby, who admits that she's off to couch stuff. And Elsie has a line. Mm -hmm. She says, it was wicked. (laughs) Because apparently she's from Boston now. Not Boston, Lincolnshire. No. I'm not sure how they would speak. <laughs> we should. We have friends there. Never spoken to them. You've heard him sing. That's different. Yeah, I suppose. You don't really sing in an accent unless you're the proclaimer. <laughs> <coughs> or Bono. Does he? A wee bit. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Toya is about to offer their spare room, but Imran has a fit and says it wouldn't be fair on Elsie. Abby goes off while Toya throws a hard stare at Imran and he jogs after Abby and offers her some money for a room, apologising that he couldn't help more. Abby refuses the cash and understands. He has his family to think about and she walks off. Uh, I was kind of screaming at Toya at that point as well. Just butt out. Enough. Yeah. There's only so much that... In fact, you're not expected to do any of this. No. But so it's just to say you're on the street it, without speaking to Imran. Right. Oh, you can you can stay in the spare room. Yeah. No, 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 no. Even, Even if, if he wasn't, wasn't the dad. Yeah. Right? Even if there wasn't that awkwardness, which Toya has no idea about, you know. But all of this, all of this, all of this from Toya is just, 
realize it's just going to make it worse when she does finally Obviously. find out the truth. Obviously. That's why she's being so nice, to make it that much more horrible. But I was starting to think that because she's been so nice and she continues to be nice on Friday that we'll get to, I was starting to think that maybe that she knew. She has seen Alfie. <coughs> yeah. It was interesting that, you know, when Kev had a chance to go look at Alfie, he politely declined right. because he'd probably figure out quite quickly that Tez is not the father. Well, I don't know. That's... I, I mean, preemies, preemies can be pretty purpley and red and not really any human skin tone for the first couple of weeks. Right. I mean, Benny especially was very purpley and red. But, you know, and also doesn't he have jaundice as well? He did. They haven't mentioned that again. On Friday, Imran and Toyers, she leaves another message with Abby and then admits to Imran that he was right last night about Abby staying, being a fucking horrendous idea and she should never have mentioned it. Imran looks ready to cry. Most of when Toya wonders if Alfie might end up in care. So Abby meets Toya in Nina's roles. She's been looking for a flat, but promises that she's not been back on the muck. Toya suggests getting her arse to the hospital and then to a meeting and they both leave. This leaves Bernie somewhat frustrated and she has no idea how this place turns a profit. <laughs> right, because neither one of them order anything. No. And there's nobody else there. Right. On the way, Abby has a private moment worrying about Toya and thinking maybe if Alfie goes into care it wouldn't be such a bad idea. It worked out well enough for her twins, Cheeky Girl 1 and Cheeky Girl 2 and Elsie. I'm fucked if I'm letting that happen, says Imran. And Abby points out that she has no job or home or prospects or money. So what can she do? Kev can't fire her for cheating. And I don't think he has. He, no. hasn't, he hasn't told her she has no job. No, but maybe she doesn't want to work there anymore. Right, but still. What do you mean still? Kev can't fire her for cheating. No, but maybe she doesn't want to work there. She's not saying that Kev's fired her, but she doesn't have a job because maybe she doesn't want to go back there. Still, she should go back just, Still. just because she needs the work. But she can't go back right now because she's on maternity leave. At the garage, Kev looks like he's trying to gas himself in a car. <laughs> and run comes over and points out that they owe Abby maternity pay. Ta-da! Kev's agreeable, but Tyrone is furious, wondering how Abby is paying for his legal services and what's in it for him. Right, and... Imran just, uh, justly points out that when it comes to cheating, mm-hmm. maybe Tyrone should wind his neck in. Right. And obviously, so should Kev. So should Kev. And so should numerous, he. Numerous times. Numerous times. At the hospital, Abby gets back from a meeting to find Toya has some good news for her. Toya has paid a deposit on a flat in the precinct. So that's why they built the precinct, <laughs> right. or they're building the precinct. It's a gift, but you can pay me back whenever. It's fine. And then Toya tells her about the maternity pay thing. You guys, says Abby. And then the credits to an American sitcom speed up the screen. <laughs> Toya leaves and Imran advises Abby to find work elsewhere because Tyrone has been a mardy wee shit with a short memory. Mm. So Abby is thrilled and she goes and tells Alfie that they have a home. <laughs> and that's as far as we get with that this week. Yes. The lady shaving uh, just continues. And it I'm continues, just... but it wasn't quite as ridiculous as it has been in the last couple of weeks because you've kind of gone over the crest of ridiculousness and now you just get into the scenario where Abby has a baby now. Right, but the fact that it was in the paper just boils my bunny a wee bit. Because, mm-hmm. first she of all... She abandoned that baby. Illegal, 
Oh, she Second of home. all, not really abandonment because she did come back. And third of all, inaccurate. It wasn't a DNA thing. No. And Be- because and she didn't need to be tracked down because she went back. Right. Yeah. I think they were going to do DNA testing, but that's not how they found her. They mentioned it. Yeah. They mentioned going through their entire DNA records to track down the, the mother of this baby. Hmm. Huh. I guess uh, the the charge of stealing that bloke's car has been dropped. Nobody's <laughs> mentioned it. Nobody's mentioned it. Of course, she did, she's not the one who stole the car. Well, she was found by the police in a stolen car. It right, doesn't look great. but she's the one who reported it. Well, so she says. And she she told them about, you know, I'm sure she's told them all about and Besides, you don't, you that's don't not really the, the... the police are somewhat fishy about all this? I don't think they even care. They're too busy. <laughs> now that Craig's gone. Yeah, they're too busy doing something else. Oh, you really needed a pair doing something else, didn't you? They're too busy digging up Rick the Chin. Yes. <coughs> Maybe. Want to give that another go? They're too busy d- dredging the river for that guy that molested Paul that we never got a satisfactory ending to. Oh, Kel. Kel. Lovely Kel. <laughs> <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so Toya doesn't know, but it kind of. But all the, you know, the, all you the can stay here and you can, so... and maybe I can uh, open that packet of sandwiches for you mm. and maybe I can tie your shoelaces for you and maybe you can stay with us for a week and maybe I can pay a deposit on a flat. It was all starting to think, you know, I think Toya's in on this or Toya has sus- suspicions about it because when she came in and she sees Imran there, mm-hmm. She didn't really say anything. No. Like, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Which would have maybe been the first thing that I would have said in that situation. She just backs out. She just backs out, like Craig into a hedge. <laughs> and Where are Abby's other friends? She's only got 16 contacts on her phone and one of them's the social services. And six others begin with L that, we, that we've never heard of before. <laughs> Where's Sally? I know Sally was disappointed that she's she cheated Gina. on Kev. Oh, that's right. Right. So she's... All right. She's dancing on ice. That, she's practicing. Well, she's not dancing on ice anymore. She was when it was filmed. She was when it was filmed. Who else is friends with Abby? Where's Where's Nina? Where is Nina? You would think Nina would be all over this. Yeah. She's not. Another one of Abby's sons that she could fall in love with later. It'll be like it'll be like Twilight. What? Twilight, you know the um. I'm familiar with it. You know the baby. Oh, I never got to the baby, but the, the baby, uh, Jacob imprints on the baby somehow, and so he's in love with the baby at the end because he's a werewolf, and werewolves, I guess, imprint on people. He's in love with a baby. He's in love with the baby. Isn't that exceptionally creepy? Yes. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Well done, Stephanie Meyer. I mean, it's not—it's not the only creepy thing about Twilight because no, like, the whole thing's awful. Because Edward is like hundreds of years old and is in love with a teenager. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that's a whole bag of yikes. Right it there, is a whole it? bag of yikes. Let's move on. Anyway, to Daisy Two Point Oh. 
On Monday, Daniel and Daisy are having a little post-mortem on the events from last week. Daisy promises to be less jealous in future, but when Daniel announces that he's going to be helping Nikki out on some teaching stuff, she immediately gets jealous and tells him Nikki can probably manage. Yeah, jokes Daniel, but she's got Max in her class. (laughs) (laughs) So Daisy approaches Max in the street and offers him 20 quid to make his teaching assistant Well, initially she she offers him 10 quid, but then she pulls out a 20 quid. And then Max isn't sure because he's supposed to be on his best behaviour. So Daisy doubles the offer. The rehabilitation of Max seems to be complete then. This annoyed me. (sighs) Daisy being Daniel's paramour, Mm -hmm. where Max intended to drug Daniel. Right. and And then let's just put that under a blanket of whatever. Right. After all that... Daisy pays him to be a a shit to another woman. Yes. That's what we're doing now. Well, Daisy has few morals. And also she knows that Max will will be horrid for money. Or she's hoping Max will be horrid for money. See, I kind of think that this was done for a bit of a laugh. <sighs> Were you laughing? No, I was outraged. Yeah, I <laughs> a wasn't. A little bit outraged. I at wasn't. It. I wasn't laughing either. But it made it made sense because Max is the only bad boy of the street who's still in school. I just don't think that Daisy' moral situation, notwithstanding, would even. Yeah, either think of a different idea or you just don't do what you're planning on doing rather than getting Max involved. Because well, what's, what's Daniel going to say if... Well, she's hoping that Daniel never finds out. Well, everybody hopes that nobody finds out, but everybody finds out. But, you know, Max does say whatever Daniel's told you, it's a lie. So at first, Max thinks that she's coming to confront him about drugging Amy. But she doesn't know about that. and so Doesn't she know about that? No. No, she doesn't. Nobody knows no, about that. No, no. Can you imagine what she would do? She's the one who's bringing those lids places so girls don't get drugged anymore. And wrote that whole Me Too thing on her Instagram. Oh, uh, well, that's kind of... Okay, I'm, I'm going to let her off then. Because she doesn't know that <coughs> No, she doesn't know. Daniel. Okay. Of course she doesn't okay, know. Okay, fair enough. That was just awful to watch, though. Anyway. So Daniel pops into the rovers to tell Daisy that he won't be meeting Nikki after all. He thinks if the situations were reversed, then Daniel would find it hard, but not like that. Daniel is still refusing to explain his or relationship like with Nikki, but he does point out how tough a life Nikki had once upon a time, and she really needs this job. Fuck's sake, says Daisy. Yeah, He so, doesn't mention that she was a sex worker, though. So Daisy grabs Max on his way home for lunch and tells him to cancel the plan to destroy Nikki, and this is overheard by a passing Jenny who furiously orders Daisy back in the pub. Max is glad he doesn't have to get into trouble, but he keeps Daisy's 20 quid, and, which is fair enough. Daisy, before that, Daisy and Paul have a delightful discussion about plastering. Because we get Paul this week. Paul's back. Yeah, inconsequential Paul. Yes, but still. Like background Imran. Right, well, it, 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 it reminds you that Paul lives with Daniel. Yeah. So they have like this threes company thing going on. Sort of. For Roberto. Yeah, he's never there. <laughs> Through the back and <laughs> rovers, Daisy is waiting for a bollocking, which Jenny is happy to deliver. 
Daisy is worried that Daniel's going to find someone more pleasant. Then stop being a spiteful and unkind bitch, says Jenny, or you'll lose him. Daisy knows that Jenny is right and decides to be cool about Daniel helping out Nicky. And just at this, Daniel comes in and Daisy gives him the good news and she gives him permission to see Nicky to put her mind at ease about the teacher training thing. She's fine about it. Daisy 2.0, says Jenny. Just don't bring the skank here, says Daisy. Daisy 1.5, says Jenny. <laughs> at the bistro, Daniel meets with Nicky. Nicky wonders what Daisy knows about her and the cardigan situation. Mm. Daniel says that she doesn't really know anything. Nicky says that she doesn't plan on advertising what Daniel paid her to do in that hotel room. No. Hmm. Yeah, and she hasn't put sex worker on her CV. Right. On Wednesday, Daisy meets Daniel and Nina's roles and they follow the playbook of Sarah and Adam by talking about his ex, not Lydia, this time talking about Nikki. Daniel announces that she stands a good chance of passing whatever assessment she has to go through to become a teaching assistant. And all of this is quite confusing to me because they 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 seem to indicate that she's already teaching. She's already in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And yet, she doesn't have the job yet. It seems even to be a she's little constantly... trial run, looks like what's what's happening here. Yeah. She should be getting paid for that, Oh, though. she probably is getting paid for it, but they're just not going to ask her back. A spoiler. And then, yeah. I'm throwing that Adam and Sarah stuff into this bit. So Adam bumps into Sarah outside Dev's, and when she makes it clear she has nothing to say to him, he finds that the approach of, you're going to get this shite sooner or later, doesn't really help matters. So Adam goes to the law office, but Imran points out that he really shouldn't be here. Adam has nowhere else to go, reminding Imran that Sarah thinks that he's the Antichrist. Screw it, says Adam, and heads to the pub. Nikki meets up with Daniel at school ahead of her interview. It seems that the morning when she sat in on lessons was tough, and she's worried that she fucked it all up. Other overs, Adam has thrown the pints back when a woman we've never seen before comes in, and Adam starts giving her some chat, claiming that he's celebrating his birthday and the anniversary of his wife's death in a an horrific car crash. Daisy overhears and is horrified because she would never pull anything like this, and she gets on the phone as Adam and the woman go to a booth. So Daniel arrives and interrupts Adam and the woman we've never met before, saying loudly that Adam's wife wants to know when he'll be home for dinner. And this is enough to tip off the woman who throws her drink in Adam's face and storms out. That was delightful. Adam can see why Daniel and Daisy are together because they're both a pair of shitbags and heads into town <laughs> to get more beer. And true enough, it's none of their business. That was horrible though. Saying that Sarah was dead. To him, under his breath. She's dead in a car crash. <laughs> and I am that car crash. Right. She's dead through me in a metaphorical car crash. Which is me. <laughs> right. See, it works. Back at the flat, Daniel tells Daisy that Nikki didn't get the job at the school. It looks like the background check came back then. Nikki will be looking for work elsewhere in another town. Well, that's a real shame, says Daisy. Yeah, so the whole bringing Nikki back was a real nothing burger just to make Daisy jealous. Mm-hmm. When, when Daisy is already jealous... She has a jealous nature. Yeah. You know, they made this big fanfare about Nikki coming back. And then she's she's back for like a week and a half. And now she's gone again. Is that her gone now? Well, she's moving on to get a job in another school. I don't know if that's going to be right or not, but... How do you suppose that she fucked it up that badly? Because there's only one teacher in that school. Well, there's two. There's Mrs. Crosshaw and there's Daniel. 
And Mrs. Crusher's an administrator. She doesn't She's teach, assistant does she? head. Yeah. She's the assistant head. She's not even the head. No. And she talks to Daniel like he's 12. Well. <laughs> Telling him to get his feet off the desk. That was hilarious. <laughs> that was hilarious. What was he reading? Oh, something Ponzi. <laughs> On Friday... Adam has crashed at Daniel's after his night on the sauce. No one is particularly happy about this. He's got kebab sauce all down his shirt as well. He does. Adam is worried it's about like, who how... has he killed? <laughs> Adam is worried about. <laughs> and he looks down at it, like confused. Right, well, he's well confused why he's there because apparently he just showed up at like three a.m. knocking on the door, right. wanting Daniel to go clubbing with him. Yeah, yeah, because when you seek Daniel, you seek clubbing at three a.m. <laughs> Daniel would be at the club at. 8.30. And then, in the morning? No, at night. And then leaves at like maybe 9.15 after playing the fruit machine for 45 minutes. Or reading a book in the corner. Adam is worried about how this is affecting his relationship with Harry, so Daniel tells him to talk to Sarah. Adam goes to the factory, despite not having a current contract of employment to be there, and he speaks to Sarah about taking Harry to the movies, but Sarah is reluctant because he stinks of last night's booze. Once more, Adam is like Rana, crushed that Sarah is choosing Lydia's lies over his. What do you think? What what movie do you think Adam was planning on taking Harry to? What do you think he'd be excited for? <laughs> Are they going to see the Batman? No. Do you think Harry could sit through a three hour movie? No. No. <laughs> is it X? <laughs> Harry's a bit young to be going to the movies, isn't he? I took I took my kids to movies. When, was that so they could when, see a movie or so you could see a movie? When they were that age. It was typically so they could see the movie too. I, I mean, I, I was, I'm not one of those parents that take their baby to like an R-rated movie because they're not going to remember sort of thing. Right. But I would take them to like, I would go to the drive-thru, the drive-thru, the, dr- the drive-in. Yeah. And so that way... They could run around a wee bit and... They could run around a wee bit? Yeah. With lots of cars driving about in the dark? Well, they're all parked. This is when the movie has started and like in front of our car because we'd have our lawn chairs out. We did? We would. You weren't You weren't part of the picture yet. Well, I see. <laughs> and you didn't come with us to the drive-in during the... During lockdown. No, because you went to see something awful, didn't you? Well, we went to see we went to see Freaky, and I think you would have liked that. Oh, you think I'd like lots of things. Well, it reminded me of Happy Death Day, which is a movie you oh, like. Oh, I do like that. Yes. I even like the sequel. Yes. I think, I think actually in some ways better. I prefer it, yeah. Anyway. Kirk is talking at Sarah about something when Lydia comes in to pick some stuff up. She apologizes for Sarah getting hurt. Get your stuff and fuck off, says Sarah. Crestfallen, Lydia leaves, and she genuinely does seem a bit crestfallen. Outside, she runs into Adam, who isn't happy to have received his court summons, and he has a go at Lydia, who says that she's done, and he'll never see her again, and all this is overseen by Sarah. So, so much for, babe, I'm just getting started from last week, because nothing else has happened since then. That we know of. Right. Lydia does seem kind of upset at how things have worked out. Did she finally get a DNA test for her son? <laughs> Maybe. They, Her son does get mentioned this week for the first time since Christmas. Yeah, we don't see him though. No. 
she had a fairly nice wee thing going. Mm-hmm. You know, she had a place where her uh, son, she had started a new job, she was friends with the boss, everything was going peachy. And now because she started on with this vendetta against Adam, she's ended up with none of that. She's left the place where she lived. She no longer has her job. She's no longer she no longer has friends that we know of. Like the question is, was it all worth it then, Lydia? Yeah, she seemed to kind of expect that Sarah was going to be completely on her was side. Going to be sisters before misters, but right. there's a there's a line. Yeah. And maybe you should and the line be, is getting your hole off my husband. Right. And maybe you should be friends for a bit longer than the course of what you claim to be is your relationship with her husband. Right, which we have to remember didn't happen. Right. Adam leaves messages for Lydia and then plans to go and see her until Daniel reminds him that he's not allowed to. And, it wouldn't and be also good anyway. it's a bad idea. Right. And also stop calling her because that's also a bad idea. Right. You're kind of harassing her at the minute. Daniel thinks that Lydia seems to have changed her attitude and seems different. Maybe she's regretting her actions now. So Daniel makes a cup of while Adam explains to him how good he is at getting his hole. Daniel isn't quite sure what this is apropos of, but right, pretends to like, know what he's talking everybody's about. Everybody's good at something. I'm good at being a shit. <laughs> Adam still can't remember much about Lydia. Daniel reckons that Sarah might be his last chance to get Lydia to confess about it all. Just a little bit more pressure and she'd surely crumble, thinks Daniel, who doesn't really know Lydia at all. He did sleep with her. Who doesn't really know Lydia at all. <laughs> Meanwhile at the factory Carla's once more a rare voice of calm and reason as she explains to Sarah that none of this sounds like Adam and she warns Sarah about being overly keen to believe Lydia and disbelieve her husband. Something is rotten here says Carla. If only this was the only issue, says Sarah and she goes off. Right, yeah because Carla points out, she's like, look, Adam and I have had have had words. <sighs> mm-hmm. And not once has he threatened physical harm no, on she, me. No, she's the one who threw the wooden stapler at him. Right, yeah. So Adam goes to see Sarah. And again, she's not wrong, but also this does happen in situations of abuse where the abuser has one face for the public and another face for the person they're abusing. Yeah, so. but they've been in really kind of high octane confrontational situations where you think that if Adam was that sort of character... It would have come out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Especially with Carla. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Adam goes to see Sarah and tells her that uh, he thinks Lydia is ready to tell the truth and he begs her to go see her one more time and speak to her again. But Sarah is just back from there and it turns out Lydia's done a flit and the neighbours have no idea where she was but she looked like she was going permanently. Right. If this was your last chance, says Sarah, poof, it's gone. And that's as far as we get with that this week. You would think that... that- Lydia taking off would maybe give Sarah pause for all of this. At least, you know, and um, this is another thing that Carla pointed out when when Sarah's like, well, he's never going to see Harry again either. And Carla's like, well, how does Harry feel about that? And Sarah's kind of like, oh, well, he'll get over it. Yeah. In other words, oh. <laughs> or I don't care. <laughs> right. And Carla rightly points out, look, Adam's the only father that kid really knows. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe you're going a little bit too far in this. Yeah. There was a bit of commentary on the the YouTubes that 
the suspicion is that Carla's going to be the one to to solve all this. Yeah. To find the truth. Yeah. That she'll she'll get the truth out of Lydia come hell or high water. One way or the other. Right. Which I don't know if she's been involved in it enough for that to happen. I mean, when you look at the uh the the storyline that we just talked about and Toya's involvement, you know, Toya's involved at every stage of this and Carla's just a kinda more or less a sounding board for Sarah at this point. So I, I don't know if, if Carla is going to be the the key to all this. Although I'd quite like it Carla to happen because Carla needs really something the, to do. Besides Daniel, Carla's been the only voice of reason in all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a calm, a calm voice of reason. Right. And she is the co-worker of Sarah and she is family to Adam. And she did, Well, I guess you're right. And she did approach Adam about it and speak to him about it. And she went on the assumption that he was... Mm-hmm. In the wrong because he's male, right? But listened to his uh, his excuse and his his case and kind of right. came round to it. That, yeah. you know what he's saying does make sense. Yes. Oh anyway. well. So Lydia's not gone. Clearly, we're not going to end the storyline like this. She'll be shacked up somewhere, probably locally, because Adam needs to go to court. <laughs> but, Right, she needs to show up. Mm -hmm. And how is he going to court? They have really nothing but hearsay to prove that he went in and he jumped to the place. They still haven't run fingerprints? Still haven't done like a decent investigation? Because Adam has never... There would be evidence of Adam having been in that flat if he had been in that flat. And it would be fairly easy to prove that he's never been in that flat. Mm. I don't know. I, the whole thing is a mess. <laughs> and also, it kind of feels like the show's kind of backed themselves into a corner in this. And how are they going to resolve this to the satisfaction of everyone? Yeah. This is all and, going to be Abby's periods all over again, isn't it? And it also kind of feels like with this and with the Abby thing and with pretty much everything, they're realizing that viewers are not happy about any of this. I don't think there's a single storyline that we really love. There's nothing much going on. And this week was a fairly back to the microphone kind of week. It was better than last week, though. It was better than last week. But there was nothing really kind of... It was needing something to be funny. There was needing a light storyline this well, week that we didn't really get. But we're not, we're not done anyway, yet. Anyway, yes. Let's move on to Gary's Creamy Chicken Soup. Ew. Ew. <laughs> It's salty. There was there was there was some humor in this one. So on Monday at the Rose Gold flat, Laura, thankfully, even isn't the, looking too great. Even the dishes are rose gold. It's how do you see anything? It's just by the outline, <laughs> the faint outline of something. The bounce from moving seems to have worn off for Laura. When Kelly goes to school, Laura is clear on a bit of pain and she doesn't know if she can make meeting the private eye today. Gary thinks it should be better going to see a doctor and just knock this P.I. thing on the head like Kelly said not that I have anything invested in this says mm-hmm. Gary so Dr. Gadas with her new haircut comes round to see Laura and typical doctor she just throws more painkillers at the situation she looks tut, lovely tut, tut. liquid morphine she mentions right yeah she can she can top off on liquid morphine if the if the pill stuff isn't enough Gary offers to pick it up for her later and then chops a carrot super aggressively hmm now, what and, was and, in and that Doc- chop, would you say? And Dr. Garas is 
Well, you have to be kind of aggressive with a carrot, don't you? No. No. You can be gentle with that carrot. You can caress it. Well, not something else. Um, it doesn't really... Cause it, he was grimacing as he, as he chopped it, which kind of suggested to me that maybe Gary's getting his killing boots back on again. All this liquid morphine's going to be coming into the flat. Would it be out of the realms of possibility for him to drug Sarah? Well, drug Sarah, <laughs> and then with what's left, drug Laura, and make it look like an overdose. Gary could do that. Gary's not going to do that. Super, might, super villain Gary would do that. He might think about it. I think we may see him thinking about it, but I don't think he'll actually do it. This all came from watching them chop a carrot. <laughs> this Which is you a, were reading far too much into, I this think. This is the foreboding. But the show will say, well, well, he chopped that carrot that one time. <laughs> and I'll go, see? And right after Dr. Gaddas praises how well he's taking care of Laura. Mm-hmm. Which is true. I mean, he's making her soup. He's being very kind to her and everything. Once again, Maria and Gary are like... They're just the, the, the most upstanding citizens of the street. And I never thought I would ever say those words. They're the best right now and it gets better. Anyway, but still with this uh, morphine thing and the chopping the carrot. Later, Gary is singing the praises of his mum's chicken soup. It was sworn in the family for terminal stomach cancer. He gives her a bowl and some bread and the two of them admit that they've got each other wrong in the past and Laura declares him to be either the nicest guy on the planet or a serial killer. (laughs) To which Gary chuckles and says nothing. On Friday at the Rose Gold Flat, Maria is prepping for next week's election and Gary urges her to get her arse into gear and get canvassing. And this again is Gary's support of Maria. Yes. Because he's having to pick up more than his share of the, the housework and, and the stuff. The most supportive husband on the street. So Maria is having a press event in the community garden getting ready to plant a tree when her rival, Bernard Thick Glasses, comes along with Ashley Fruit Juice and James Bailey and all the press couldn't give less of a fuck about Maria now or a stupid tree and take photograph of Bernard with the footballers. Back at Nina's Rolls, Maria explains everything to Phil with two L's who's back. Yay! So we get Paul back and we get Phil with two L's back and we get Nikki back. Who else might show up this week? Fish guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> then Kirk comes in speaking to people. Phil has a brainwave about her opponent and rushes off to check something out. And and the show reminds us that that Kirk has run for public office as well as Buzzy the Bee. <laughs> it feels like you were that guy. <laughs> yeah, and there's oh, there's confusion about stuff. Back at the Rose Gold Flat, Maria realizes that she can't compete against Bernard Thick Glasses, but then Phil with two L's sends her a text and arranges to meet Maria tomorrow to reveal what he's discovered. Dum, dum, dum. That's as far as I get with that this week. So, yeah, I think there's some murderous uh, thoughts going through Gary's mind here that only really should be there if uh, Laura is still intending to do the private investigator thing, which it doesn't sound like she is. And also, when, when murdering Laura, when Laura is not going out anywhere except back and forth to the hospital, wouldn't that cast suspicion to the PI? 
I think it would. That and that dead tree Maria's trying to plant. <laughs> was it dead? It looked dead. I don't think it was dead because saplings can be kind of just basically a stick. Stucks. Yes, a stick. Right. Still, it was funny that it was <laughs> that. That's what she got to plant in the in the memorial garden <laughs> instead of something that would, you know, show up in a photograph a yeah. little bit better. Yeah, it, it's. It's maybe also not a great idea from a space point of view to put a big fuck-off tree in the middle of a community garden. Where are people going to sit? Well, it's over... It's also, I think, a little bit too close to that wall. Eventually, those roots are going to make that wall fall over. Yeah, just... But still... A bad idea all over. But still, you know, her heart was in the right place. And, like, that that guy who wants to put pavement over everything and set up basketball courts. Bernard thick glasses, yeah. Give give the kids some place to to hang out. And skin their knees mm-hmm. and sell drugs. <laughs> and bully people and all that fun stuff. And have dance offs. Dance offs or dances off? Dance offs. Dance offs. Dance off bro. It's a dance off. You've been bro. served. <laughs> Here I am quoting movies at you that you've never seen. Yeah. You'd never No, tell. wait, you did. What? You did see Guardians of the Galaxy and you hated it. Oh, I did. A, I had that stupid rat in it, didn't it? It's a raccoon. It's a rat. <laughs> Is Gary going to kill Laura? No. Is Bernard Thick Glasses going to win the election? Maybe. I don't know. It matters what, what Phil has. I do like seeing Phil back. I like Phil. I wonder what Phil's... What, I like Paul as well. I'm what, glad Paul's back. I wonder what, what Phil's got on him. It'd be nice to see a little bit of... Uh, what's his face? Todd? Izzy's... Izzy's neighbour. Oh, yeah. What's Franklin. his name? No. <laughs> uh, Fergus. Fergus. There we go. <laughs> Which is his real name. He's actually called Fergus on the show. Is he? Yes. I'm pretty sure that's his name. Because he knows about people as well, doesn't yes. he? Because he knew about the parking thing that was going on. Right. That doesn't seem to be a problem anymore. Yeah, what happened with all of that? There was a shot of it a few weeks ago where it did look a little busy. But it seems to have... Everyone seems to have got over that. Anyway, now we can move on. To do contracts not mean anything to anyone anymore. On Monday, the Baileys are getting home with party balloons and cakes and presents. Aggie wants the day to go perfectly. Nothing can spoil it. Hiya, says Grace, who appears out of nowhere. And we can tell immediately that she's still evil Grace from last year and not nice Grace from earlier on last year. Michael leaves them to get Gloria a party dress. It's, it's, it's the fact that nothing ever came of, you know... Of the moment where she experienced racism. That was her Joker moment. Right. That was her her Joker right. origin story right there. Yeah. Great movie. <laughs> and Ed and Aggie immediately demand to know why Grace is here. Not as good as Guardians of the Galaxy, Ed, though. Pr- <laughs> yeah, it misses the rat. Ed assumes that she's after more money. Bingo, says Grace. Now cough up, you bastard, or I'll blab to Michael about the blackmail plot. And at this point, I'm like, have at it then. Right, yeah, and also... Where's the jeopardy here? And, uh, right, yeah, and also she's going to blab that she took money from his parents to abandon Grace. Right. Or Glory. Glory. She's Grace. Right. How, how's Although, that? 
on one level, is she abandoning herself? I think she is. <laughs> Agatha reminds Grace that she's already got 20k with them and she signed a document that Adam drew up, so it must be legally Legal. binding, right? Tough, says Grace. A compelling argument. And she leaves when Michael comes back with a dress, so we can assume that he bought it at Roy's. <laughs> Ed meets Grace in the Rovers. She wants another 10k, thinking that... Uh, Sponging the Bailey's dry is the same as Ed blackmailing her in the first place. She proves it by putting on a tearful performance on how she was manipulated by Ed and Aggie, and Ed is too thick to breathe but refuses to pay another penny. He calls her bluff, but then she calls his bluff, and Ed caves and chases after her. This is all just so fucking stupid. It is. Ed manages to stop Grace from blabbing, but we'll need time. You've got six minutes, says Grace, who then tells Michael that the dress that he got glory is fucking appalling. Grace is back, everybody. Uh, so Ed and Aggie talk about what's to be done. Aggie would rather spend 10k on a hitman. Ed says, if Michael finds out with the blackmail, he'll never speak to them again. And again, I'm like, really? Yeah. Really? Michael will never speak to us again if, if he finds out what happened. Because Grace was ready to take glory to the ends of the earth, otherwise known as Hull. Right. And then he would never see his kid again. Right. So all Ed and Aggie did was ensure that he sees his kid again. Right. Yeah. No. So wait. <laughs> this 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 whole thing. I don't even know why it's here because as as much as the bringing Nikki back and then having her not get the job feels like a big old nothing burger. This is it, a nothing at least, burger with extra fries. It, it at least. You know, highlights Daisy's Daisy's jealousy, and in the end, makes her relationship with Daniel stronger somehow. This does nothing. This this is this is the biggest old nothing burger. It's like, well, we haven't had a story with the Baileys. Glory's birthday's coming up. What can we do? Right. On Wednesday at home, Ed and Aggie discuss what they can do to pay off Grace again. Ed's only thought is to ask Ronnie, who Ed remembers as flush after selling his business because he wanted to do that whole house flipping thing. Aggie doesn't think this is a great idea, but they don't have options falling out of their arses, so it'll have to do. So Ed arranges to meet Ronnie at Nina's Rolls and tells him about the situation with Grace. Ronnie explains that Grace will never stop sponging them for cash until they tell her to get to fuck. So Thank you, Ronnie. So voice of reason. So he refuses to give his brother the money. Thank God someone in this family has a brain. Well, thanks for nothing, says Ed, and he storms out. At the builder's yard, Ed is checking the horse racing page because... Oh, God. Because we need to remember that he <sighs> had a gambling problem. addiction. When Ronnie comes round, he's had a change of heart regarding the loan to pay off Grace, but Ed no longer needs it. He's found another way to finance it and talks about getting bank loans against the builder's yard. Later, Ed is studying the form guide again when Aggie shows up. <laughs> She'd spoken to Ronnie and supposedly everything's sorted, is it? So what gives? She spies the paper and jumps to the conclusion that Ed is gambling again, which Ed insists that he isn't. There's nothing else for it. They're going to have to come clean with Michael. So at home, Michael's, God. Right, Michael's getting organised for the party when Aggie and Ed come in with something important to say to him. Are you getting a divorce? Asks Michael, <laughs> who must think that he's 12 years old now. <laughs> right. Well... The fact that he and James still live at home and Aggie insists they're not allowed to ever move out right. does kind of make it seem like, <laughs> at least in Aggie's eyes, they're still 12. It was a weird jump. It was a weird jump to say now when everything's cleared and everything and we know that Ed is the father. Mm -hmm. 
Why would they get divorced now? Oh, Ed. <laughs> so Agnes explains what happened with Grace wanting to move away with Glory and punish everyone unless they paid her off. And now she's back wanting more money. Are you sure you're not getting a divorce? Asks Michael. So Michael is still of the opinion that Grace is a good mother and deserves to be part of Glory's life, but Aggie says that she's not fit and admits that she's not fit, so Michael storms off to find her. And he finds her in Nina's roles and confronts her, and surprisingly she admits it. Michael still thinks Grace just needs someone to talk to, and then everything will be fine. So Grace has to try and explain it in as simple terms as possible. It wasn't depression... She just doesn't love Glory the way she should. Which sounds an awful lot like, like depression. postpartum depression. <laughs> and she'll end up resenting her. Everything she needs comes from Michael and his family. Grace says that she isn't the person Michael or Glory need her to be, and she leaves. And along comes Roy and says to Michael, here's your nothing burger with fries. <laughs> Glory's party is a bust. At home, Michael has finally come to the conclusion that Grace doesn't want to be part of Glory's life. Well, what was your first clue? No amount of bedtime stories are going to make up to serve a happy ending here, says Michael, which sounds great, but makes absolutely no sense. Right, yeah. So very heteronormative here. A child needs a mother. It's it's like the opposite with poor Alfie with a child needs a father. Hmm. On Friday, Michael is having a crisis following the Grace shenanigans from earlier this week. Aggie tells him that all Glory needs is her extended family. That kid will never be without love, says Aggie, until the plot dictates otherwise. <laughs> Later, Aggie has had a word with James. She's still yeah. worried about Michael and curses Grace's name. They remember that James lives there as well. James, who has a lot of money because he's a footballer. James points out that Michael is just worried that Glory will gl- grow up without a mum. Thanks, says Aggie. I'd never thought of that. And they decide to throw Glory a party, after all. So the Baileys quickly decorate their house with birthday accoutrements. Ed isn't sure Michael even wants a party, but then Michael comes in and he wanted a party. Michael has a quiet word with Aggie later. Ronnie's out the back, flying up the barbecue, which is such a Ronnie thing to do. Glory- no, at this point, Ronnie and Ed and James are off to for a little one-on-one with, with, with soccer, but James is only allowed to use his head. Keepy-uppy, that's what it's called. Yes. So Glory has apparently loved a party, and Michael is so full of jelly and ice cream, he just wants to have a poop and then a snooze. He's had <laughs> such a busy day. Get them fucking dishes done, says Aggie. And he does. And that's the end of that See, This is line. why she doesn't want them to leave, so that she never has to do, do another dish in her life. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this is a big old nothing burger. It's like <laughs> Why drag Grace back just to have her go away again and at least Michael knows now, but he doesn't even know all of it. He knows about the the final blackmail and everything. They didn't explain to him how she was blackmailing them with the house and everything. <laughs> yeah. Rent free. Mhm. He doesn't know that he does know about the um the baby monitor stuff. Uh, how she abandoned the baby in the house. All this all because uh, Michael spurned her advances. Yes. Uh, uh, they really tried to make Grace a super villain, a, an evil mastermind. The storyline, in a nutshell, is Glory's birthday party is coming up. Michael wants to find Grace for it. No one else wants somebody to find Grace for that. He can't find Grace. 
Grace shows up anyway and she's evil again. Right. She wants more money. So right. Ed Even te- though she's already signed a contract. So Ed tells the truth and then Grace admits it and then fucks off. Yeah. And then Michael does the dishes. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And that took like two and a half weeks. <sighs> Our final storyline this morning is Mr. Darcy. On Monday at number one, Tracy's planning on a night out with Steve and suggests that Amy invites Ash and Summer over as a Bananarama tribute act. Right. Invite your little friends over, she says. Yeah. Disgusted, Amy storms off to school. And later, Amy calls Jacob and tells him that she has a house to herself tonight. She's interrupted when Tracy comes home, sensing that Amy wasn't happy about being left home alone. So she's cancelled with Steve. And now she just wants to hang out with her daughter. What is wrong with these people? Tags, tags. What is wrong with these people? Mm -hmm. I mean, we do hang out with our kids, but (laughs) we also know that there are times they want us to fuck off. And we do. So Tracy drags Amy to the bistro. Amy manages to warn Jacob about the change in plan, but then Tracy wants to get wrecked on the loopy juice and starts flirting with a sleazeball who likes the Zambukas. Tracy calls him Mr. Darcy. Kill me now, says Amy. And Amy must call Steve because he arrives to save Tracy from the clutches of Mr. Darcy, whose shirt is suddenly unbuttoned. Steve is disappointed that this is what Tracy does to make Amy feel better. Amy demands to be killed. Immediately. On Wednesday, Amy meets up with Jacob in the gunnel. He's hankering for some Amy time after the mix-up yesterday, so she decides to ask Emma to cover for them, seeing as the two of them have an arrangement of sorts. Mm. Sound, says Jacob. So Amy Amy speaks to Emma and arranges to get her cover for for her later. Emma is briefly confused when she says that she's meeting up with her fella in town but Amy says all she needs to do is say that Amy will be there that's the beauty of lying right but later (coughs) Steve is now the one to ask Amy for some daddy-daughter time Amy can't catch a break and says that she's going to see Emma but Steve saw Emma catching a tram into town so now Amy has no excuse and she has to accept Steve's offer and Steve's idea of daddy-daughter day is to play her at pontoon or blackjack if you prefer Yes. Casino Cards is, Which I do. Is, is the name of the game. Yes. And he thinks saying hit me sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Amy gets a text from Jacob letting her know that he's in the ginnel, but she can't get away because playing Casino Cards with his daughter gets Steve all emotional and maudlin. Right. At least they're not doing a jigsaw puzzle. Steve nips off, to, nips off to dry his eyes, allowing Amy to go out to tell Jacob that she can't get away. And Jacob is looking like he's starting to get sick of this. Not sick of Amy, but just sick of the lies. Right, and the back and forth and the constant, oh yeah, we can hang out. And then all of a sudden my parents are really interested in me for some reason. He wants to be with her. And sadly he says that he'll see her when he sees her. So on Friday, Amy is about to head off to school when she invites Steve and Tracy for a family meal to the bistro this afternoon. They both think it's a great idea. And then Amy has plans to see her university halls later. Yes. Two birds with one stone. Right. Belter. Amy meets Jacob in the community garden and reveals her plan to introduce him to her folks at the bistro properly as her lovely, kind, gentle, superficial <sighs> boyfriend. Jacob has his doubts after Steve punched him in the face that time, right. but agrees. So at the bistro, Tracy's a bitch to Debbie and her menu. Then in comes Amy and she's brought someone with her. It's Bruce Forsyth. Nice to see you, to see you. And you don't know what to do with that, do you? No, I don't. Bruce Forsyth would come on and go, nice to see you, to see you, and everyone would go, nice. And that was his catchphrase. Okay. <laughs> Bruce Forsyth. He's dead now. I, I, he used to do Strictly I Come Dancing. That out. <laughs> he was the, the host of Strictly. 
amongst many, many, many other things. Right. Like seven decades in show business. Right. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. And that's my Bruce Forsyth impression, which, as far as you're concerned, is absolutely perfect. <clears throat> Although I suspect that you don't think that. Anyway, that's that's what Jacob is doing when he comes in. But rather than say, nice, everyone says, eh? what the actual fuck? Ooh, tough crowd, says Jacob. Amy explains how would, that Jacob... How would- how would Jacob know? Because it sounds like this is something that happened like 20 years before oh, he was no, born. Everyone, everyone knows Bruce Forsyth. Sure. Amy explains that Jacob was used just like Simon over the drugs thing and he's a changed character. Tracy isn't impressed, but Steve goes along with it, pointing out that Tracy marched to the beat of her own drum when she was a kid, so and, she can't be too hard on Amy now. And also, Jacob was actually the one who Harvey put in the hospital. Right. Not Simon. Yeah, because he was stealing from him, remember? Yeah, but still. Yeah. When Steve has a moment with Tracy, he reveals that he's using reverse psychology on oh, Amy. Thinking Steve that if they approve now. of Jacob, Amy will re- realise that he's a twat and go and find someone worse, like a drug dealer or something. <laughs> Genius, says Tracy. And they're both lovely to Amy and Jacob when they come back from doing a shite. And then Leanne comes in and she has a fit when she sees Jacob and the reverse psychology spell is broken. Jacob leaves them to it, but before he goes... He and Amy winch the faces off each other and Steve and Tracy have no idea where to look. No. So Jacob leaves and he runs into Simon who's keen to have a go. He says something to Jacob who responds by living the dream and punching Simon (laughs) square in the face. (laughs) Stitch that, you bass, says Jacob. But all of this is overseen by Amy and Steve. Same old Jacob, says Simon, flat out on the ground, face covered in jam. Jacob can't repeat what Simon says and runs away. Amy... Simon says. Amy chases after him. Even though he's supposed to repeat what Simon says. If only Simon had said, repeat what I said. Mm. Yeah. Privately, he regrets punching Simon, but is forced to reveal that Simon called her a dirty slag. So Amy goes back to number one and explains what happened and that Jacob was sticking up for her. Steve and Tracy don't believe a word of it and reckon, reckon Jacob is lying. He's your cousin. Why Simon would he call would never you a slag? That. Your family. Furious. Amy storms out. And Both she had, of them forgetting all of the multiple things people, members of their family have called one another over the years. Yeah. Like any time that Tracy speaks with Daniel, for example. Right. <clears throat> Back at the bistro, Simon's still covered in jam when Amy comes in. Leanne continues to have a go and refuses to see the similarities about her and Simon being forced to deal drugs, just like Jacob being forced to deal drugs. I'd never say anything about my cousin, snaps Simon out of nowhere. Literally, no one says a word, says Leanne, and Simon realises that he's shit at this. He says that he doesn't think Amy is a dirty slag after all, and then comes Steve and Amy. Yeah, that he just did it to get a response out of Jacob, and it's like, why? Right. And this this is the part that really gets stuck in my craw a bit. After everything that Amy's been through in recent weeks, now Simon's calling her a slag? Right, yeah. Really? Yeah. And what I really wanted was, because Steve says, just a few weeks ago, you were, your drug, your mm-hmm. drink was spiked. I wanted Amy to be the one to say to Simon, mm-hmm. like a few weeks ago, someone spiked my drink mm-hmm. to rape me when I was unconscious and you're calling me a slag? Yeah. I wanted her to be furious about this. Yeah. She was furious, but I wanted to be furious about 
everything that, that right. is attached to that yeah. that was never addressed. Yeah. He seems to realise that he's in hot water when she comes into the bistro because he mm-hmm. starts backing away from her. That should have been more. Yeah. No, no, you're you're absolutely you're absolutely right. You know, and it doesn't it doesn't get any better when Steve comes in. In comes Steve, and Amy explains this development. But Steve still isn't moved and just wants to get Amy to the uni halls. Amy refuses to budge, so Steve makes her choose between Jacob and her family. So Steve and Tracy must never go to, goes well. No, so Steve and Tracy must go to see the halls on their own. They get home and discover that Amy's left a note telling them that she's left and moved in with Jacob. So Tracy calls Amy, and Amy makes it clear that Jacob was the only person to stick up for her today, and she's done just as Steve insisted. He told her to make a choice, and she made it. Smell you later, Amy says, and she hangs up. And Jacob was the one who was the one to figure out that she had been drugged in the first place and supported her and put her in the recovery position. And, and probably saved her life. And probably saved her life, and everybody else was just like, oh, ha-ha, she's drunk. Mm-hmm. Tracy can't believe this. She Jacob's tells, a hero in this story. Right? And he's... he's he is really funny. <laughs> he's still a little awkward, which is funny. When he came in doing the Bruce Forsyth stuff, I <laughs> thought that was just brilliant. I thought it was just weird because I didn't understand the reference. Right. So Tracy can't believe this. She tells Steve that he's turned Jacob into forbidden fruit. And when that happened to her, she ended up with Robert for six years. And Robert still hasn't had a funeral, she says. <laughs> and at least Robert was nice and not a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's ruining her life, Which says Steve. <laughs> Good job, ass, says Tracy. It's and so that is how we end this week's episode. Frustrated because he's not a drug dealer anymore. He's not dealing drugs. Yeah, he's as much of a drug dealer now as Steve is. Or, or Simon. Right, the, the, or Leanne. Or Leanne. You know, everybody's like, oh, he's a drug dealer. Well, so were you. <laughs> that was different. How? <laughs> How was it different? Yeah, you need to say more than just it was different. Right. Just like, Abby, you need to say more than, well, I thought I had my period. For six months. <laughs> <laughs> or I was a mess because my, my son was dead. You'd still know that you were pregnant. So I'm starting to think that this Amy moving in with Jacob thing's kind of a longer term thing because they've got a set. Yeah. So there's a set that's made for this, right? They've got got that interesting lamp in there. And didn't they have, even though it's probably just around the corner, didn't they have police sirens in the background? Yeah. Oh, it's in a dodgy part of town just around the corner from Coronation Street. Oh, no. That was hilarious. Yeah, I, I think they're probably going to be together in that place for a little bit longer because Amy, she and she's isn't not, in the habit of backing down about things like this. And she said she's still going to go to school. This uh, is not, she's going to go to university. Yeah, right, yeah. Her, her plans haven't changed. No. She just can't live with them anymore because right. they don't have her back. She's just moving house, which is fine. And oh, just imagine how she's going to feel when she realizes that her family really didn't have her back with... Oh. Uncle Daniel. Oof. Oh, God. Because that will eventually come out, I'm hoping. It's got to. It's got to. It's got to. The show's got to realize the error of their ways, and they've got to make it good. Because mm-hmm. this is one thing that they might be able to salvage, unlike the whole Lydia thing. Yeah, this is salvageable. Yeah. And I think it's, it's still, uh, despite the horrible directions that it's gone in, it's kind of boosted by having... 
good characters now kind of acting like you would imagine them to be. Like right. a- Amy is totally Amy this week. Yes. And Stephen Tracy are totally Stephen Tracy. Yes. Because they they're interested in Amy on a whim. Except of course, you know, suffocating her. Which, you know, and yeah, showing up. Which I'm sure they've done a hundred times before. Have they? Yeah, they just oh they, they haven't been given Amy the attention that she needs and Amy just wanders in and, and has no requirement for attention. No. She's quite happy. Yeah. Nice to see Simon getting punched in the face though, wasn't it? <laughs> and it was still bleeding like a while later when he's at the Pisto. It's just it's it's like maybe if it's bleeding that much, maybe oh, I don't know. Go see a doctor and get stitched up. He has the absolute gall to say that Jacob has a punch like a wet napkin. Yeah. Well, As how come your face has just been destroyed? From his nose. <laughs> And it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. Because <laughs> Leanne says, yeah, it looks better. I thought it might need a stitch, but it looks better. Does it? It didn't look Holy better shit, at all. Cause... It was still bleeding. <laughs> Covered in jam. Nice to see Simon, though. Yeah. Because, once again, a character we haven't seen in a while. Still no Todd. No. And no Undertaker. We've seen a checked because... I posted something on Twitter saying, have, right. we, have we even seen Todd this year? I checked, we haven't. No. He hasn't been in a single episode this no. year. And The Undertaker has. Okay. But yeah, Rio has been in more episodes than Todd has this year so far. <laughs> Harry's had more lines. Elsie's had more lines. <laughs> right. Because she thinks it were wicked. The food at Speed Doll. Was it? It's wicked. Yeah, I can see that. It was weird how... It was weird how they they walked were in walking line. in a yeah, line, in line. Yeah. with Elsie in the middle, and she's so tiny. It's like, pick that child up. Yeah, you can only see the top of her head. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a better week this week, you a, said. Yes, and I I think I tend to agree. Still not great, but better. Less talking points. We've kind of rattled through it, but that's yeah. fine. It's fine. And that was the week that was Coronation Street. What was your moment of the week? Was it Simon getting punched in the face? <laughs> no. Wasn't it? No. Come on, because we have criticized the show for making people punching people funny on the Twitter before, so we can't. Well, no, we can't be hypocritical. Well, here. no, but my, my my problem with that in the past has been that they've made a joke out of it, right? And they've made a joke out of, of an assault that, well, I guess nothing's really happening mm. here either. But uh, No, I think it, there was no chess this week. There was no chess. There was cards. Yeah. There was no dancing this week or, or cardio. We didn't get to see Gary in a headband again. That was sad. Yeah. <laughs> remember, remember the time that that was our moment of the week? It was a good moment of the week. Uh, Toya getting Abby a place to live? Ugh, no. I'm not enjoying that at all. See, I thought that that was, that was really nice. The way Abby's face lit up and everything. Even though just the night before she was refusing money from Imran. Uh, yeah. Is it, is it, is it <clears throat> uh, Amy and Jacob's entrance into the bistro with the nice to see you? To see you 
and the look on Steve and Tracy's face. I actually really enjoyed that storyline this week. That was my favorite storyline this week. The last one. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Comfortably. Yeah. There was a moment where uh, when Imran comes in on Abby and she says, we need to get wing mirrors on this incubator that I thought was quite funny. But I'd, I'm I'm hesitant on that storyline because it just, <laughs> just hasn't gone any way to try and make sense to me at all. So Is it is it Amy on the phone with her mum finally sticking up for herself and saying, look, none of my family has stood up for me and, and Jacob has and I'm, I'm happy now? Yeah, I mean, it feels like we're becoming... Uh, that the Amy is filling that that void of right. Roy and Nina this year, but I do I do think it is an Amy moment. Yeah, and I think we've given it to Amy and Jacob this year. We did with the with the boat picnic. Yeah, rowboat. But I I don't have any problem. Again, I I kind of feel like Steve and Tracy deserve a little bit of this too because it was funny. It was funny seeing Steve try to do re- explaining reverse psychology to Tracy. So just that whole scene of them in the in the bistro in the bistro together. Okay, yeah. fine, I can go along with that. That's our moment of the week. Uh, moment of the week. You're born a moment of the week. Your horse impression. <laughs> can you do a horse impression? Nay. <laughs> is it? Is it? Is it? Paul telling Ed how cute Birdie could be. Do we even remember that? that? Hum, <laughs> no, that hum. Yes. When did Paul speak to Ed? When you know Paul works for Ed. Yeah, I know that. And they were in the yard together, what and did? Paul was loading a window into the truck to go do a job. Oh. And he's talking about how. Yeah, because that wasn't a scene with the two of them. That was a scene that Paul happened to be in at the start, then left. So Ronnie or Aggie could turn up. Right, yeah, right. but it starts yeah, with Paul. I remember, I remember it now, yeah. It starts with Paul, and Paul's talking about how Bernie is, or not Bernie, Bertie is like a dog. <laughs> and how babies are like dogs. Oh, do you know, I thought he was talking about Daniel, do you know that? <laughs> I honestly yes, thought that. Daniel walks around on all fours in the flat. Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Wishing his cardigan on. <laughs> and a candlestick, no, no, no. Yeah, this is this is and this has boring moment of the week all over it because you forgot all about it. Fine, that's a boring moment of the week. Oh, it was either that it was either going to be that or, or Kirk. Oh, doing something. Do you know what? I'm like at the, the point now the where stuff. I really I don't even want to mention that it's happened because all it is is and it happened kill. a lot this week. It's like they're purposefully antagonizing you. <laughs> it's like kill twenty or thirty seconds that we've got to. We've got to. We have this, this gap least, that we need to fill. At least the Buzzy the Bee stuff made sense because they were talking about running for office, and he is related to Maria. At least that made sense instead of him like randomly popping up in other storylines just this to week, say something dumb. This week, Kirk has a yo-yo. This week, <laughs> Kirk walks in. Oh, I've got Putin stuck on my head. How can I get Putin on my head? This week, and everyone's just staring up going. <laughs> The fuck are you doing? Kirk wants a suggestion box so he could put in the suggestion that they need a suggestion box. Hmm. Ugh. That poor man. Anyway, that's not our phone. No, 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 no. We're going we've, with we've Paul and Ed. It. Yes. All right. Let's wrap this one up then. <laughs> if you've ever 
you've ever thought Daniel was a dog? Is Daniel your baby? Somebody's baby. This baby. <laughs> we're the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of vogel.co.uk for links to our merch store. There's a vogel.com now. And you know what it is? What? I think it's a Wordle variant. Of course it is. Because <laughs> everything's a Wordle variant now. Anyway. Wordle has jumped the shark. <laughs> and if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. And we will be back next week with more... Now talk of the street. The talk of the street. Bye. Bye.